Gorgeous Saskatchewan off the post of the team. Champions again! It's Cody Jansen here, Rush Hour Podcast. You know we're going to talk about the draft. Just happened, Rush and six new players to their lineup. Well, four, two are going back to school. We're going to break that all down with the man who made the picks. General Manager Derek Keenan plus first-rounder Austin Madronic is coming on the pod this week on the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Original 16. Okay, quick time travel. You're listening to me in the future right now. I know it's confusing. We'll go back in a second. The rest of it was recorded a little bit earlier, but we got to talk about the big news here. Alexis Bouquet coming to town. New face in the crease, signed for two years. Derek Keenan pulls it off. He brings in the Vancouver Warriors, former starting netminder. This is a great addition, and I'll give my thoughts quickly here. I think what Bouquet brings is a little bit more stability between the pipes. I think his style of play fits in perfectly in a defensive structure that Jeremy Talevi brings where they do force a lot of the shots to come from the outside. So you want that big, positionally well goaltender, and Alex Bouquet fits the bill perfectly. Him and Penny, a great tandem. They worked well together in Ladner. They just won a President's Cup over the summer both of them splitting duties so I think when you talk about a 1a 1b tandem Derek Keenan went out and addressed that fully fully this offseason bringing in bouquet now I guess we wait for another move to follow likely not exactly sure who that'll be but I'm sure we'll keep our eyes on that also yet another forward locked in Ethan Forgrave Alberta kid he was playing his summer ball out in Nanaimo. I think he really elevated his game to a next level. Another smart player. You know, we talk about guys going to Harvard. Well, Forgrave's a McGill alumni. So, you know, you get in those guys with the brains. I think him going out west and playing senior A helps with the, you know, the speed, the physicality. You get a little bit more muscle on you as you grow up compared to playing junior. And I think Forgrave, is, as a left-handed forward, is going to come in and he's going to push the pace. He said camp here. This is a guy, he's not coming in and being like, well, I'll get my training camp and I'll be out of here in November. No, he's pushing for a roster spot. I guarantee it. You'll watch him and he has a lot of intangibles that not that many players do. So if he can come into the camp, hit the ground running, and what I mean when I say that is not come in timid, not come in and be like, well, it's a little intimidating playing with some of these guys. You just got to put your head down and go for it. Ball out, do what you can and make the GM make a tough decision on whether to keep you for the season or whether to send you home. Also, Austin Madronic gets locked up to your contract for him. And I know we'll mention the Man Cup, but uh, I guess we'll spoil it for you if you had it PVR'd. Mark Matthews of the Peterborough Lakers four times in a row now. The Lakers are Man Cup champions. They defeat Robert Church, Isaac Enju 4-3 in the Man Cup final game seven. That was a great series, and summer ball's done. All we got to wait for, schedule. Games start in December. Can't wait. Okay, back to the time travel machine. Here's myself from last week. I'll give my thoughts quickly on some of these picks. Round number one, six overall. Austin Madronic goes, places junior out in Victoria, attends Harvard. You've got a smart player. You've got a versatile player. You've got someone who can do a little bit of different things on offense that they don't exactly have right now. And that's why I think he's that righty forward who the team believes, and I also believe, can step into the lineup and be an effective player from the get-go. Round number two, Isaac Enju. 
Defender, a lefty, playing senior ball in the Man Cup with the Langley Thunder. Another guy who's got some good wheels. He's got some size. He's got some speed there. A little bit of strength definitely won't hurt him, but he's getting this valuable experience right now. He went on a couple of playoff runs playing junior out in BC. Now he's getting that man-on-man experience. He's having to defend some of the best players in the world in the Man Cup in Peterborough. Love seeing him get those opportunities. And again, for him to drop down to 40th overall, a lot of the mock drafts I saw had him going in the top round. So I think that shows you what type of value you're getting right there in annual. Round number three, 49th overall, the big man, Cam Badur. Guy who predominantly played forward in his junior career, college career. I think he's also someone who could probably slide out the back gate and being the athlete he is, you honestly prefer him to try transition his game a little bit. He's got the size. You had that grit, that extra strength. He could be a very effective two-way player in the NLL if he can develop his game into an all-round come out both gates uh, I consider it maybe not so much a Mike Mallory I, I guess maybe a lefty Jarrett Smith is you'll see at camp here big righty two-way player for Nanaimo I think Badur's got that type of potential at fourth round 64th overall Jeremy Searle very similar style player to Austin Madronic less offensive. He's a lefty. He's got a little bit of size as well. I think he's a player too, and Derek can probably speak on this a little better than I can. He's probably a guy who you're going to want to see come out the back gate a little bit. He reminds me a little bit of Mike Mallory, if I had to throw a comparison on it for a guy on the roster already. Someone who's going to need time. It's going to take a season or two practice roster. Maybe you get your opportunities. Maybe you work your way up. But this is a kid who was a leader of an Orangeville team. They pushed Whitby White right to the brinks. Five games for them. They're one game short of knocking the Minto Cup champs out of playoffs in the OJ this season. Searle's one of the heartbeats in that team. He's one of the leaders. He's one of the guys not afraid to go to the greasy areas. And that's why I think that toughness can be used out both gates for a team like the Rush. You move to round five, Gabriel Prosek, Gabe, as they like to call him, 80th overall. Uh, he's going back to school. He's going back to UMass. Another guy who's he's got some senior experience, finally playing out west in the WLA. He's got that college athleticism. I think they're going to want to see him put on a little bit more weight, uh, you know, a little bit more power in there. And then he's going to be able to step into a role, hopefully, the upcoming season, where even if it isn't a lineup, while well, you've got him on your draft list, you're going to keep his rights and now he's going to compete for a spot in camp so it's always good to add some of those guys in depth rounds and when you can get someone like that in round number five well the maple ridge kid he could surprise a few people round number six 95th overall carter brand former rmll junior a star went down to denver Mark Matthews played there. Ever hear of him? Uh, he's going to transfer over to Limestone as well for his. Uh, it's the COVID redshirt senior year. I'm not going to explain to you NCAA eligibility rights, but all I know is he's going back to college. He's going to go play at Limestone this upcoming season. Dynamic score. He's one of the guys. Doesn't need many opportunities. He can put the ball in the back of the net. He can shoot. He can finish. I hate to make comparisons, but again, he's got he's got a little bit of Dan Lintner in his game. He does. He does. I, I know people are going to be right fired up about that comparison, but I'm telling you, watch Carter Brand in the next couple of years because if he can adapt physically 
to the next level, to playing a higher level, to playing senior A, to playing NLL, if he can adapt his game to that, you're looking at a very damn good NLL forward right there. And a guy who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. Going to Limestone again, Mike Messenger went there. Familiar program for a lot of people within the Rush organization. Excited to see what he can bring, not this upcoming season, next year in the NLL ranks. Alrighty, let's throw it over. You want to hear from him anyways. It's the GM, Derek Keenan, on the Rush Hour podcast. All right, join now GM of the Saskatchewan Rush, Derek Keenan's on the podcast. Jammer, on the draft, I think the question I want to know most, and I think our fans will be, you know, interested in as well, was that first rounder on the table? Was there talks about moving it? Because there was some rumblings going around the day before. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it uh, went on for several weeks, actually, um, but nothing came to fruition. So we were uh, prepared to draft the guy that we drafted and uh we're really happy with with uh who we got and um you know it was you know it came down there was three guys we really liked at six and we and we got our number one choice so we're happy with that were all three guys radios no (laughs) no oh no three three distinct different positions (laughs) <laughs> okay, interesting, interesting. I know righty, you know, getting a righty forward was obviously the talk leading into it. What do you like about Austin Madronic's game that you get at number six then? Obviously, he's got the Harvard pedigree. He's been to Minto Cups before. He's got a little taste of senior. But what did you like? What did you see most in his game? I think he can do probably anything on the offensive end of the floor and add to that the versatility, the ability, the will to run back and play defense and do it effectively. From what we saw, 2019 Mental Cup, really good pick set, a really good at clearance space for others. But we also think he can be a really good ball carrier. So um, there was just a, there was so many things we liked about him. He just kind of he just ticked every box for us when it came to a, an all round right handed offensive player who is really willing to play any type of role. The Harvard stuff all aside, he is really smart and a really smart lacrosse player. And that was a big factor as well. You know, we we play with a fair bit of structure, and it's not always easy for guys to come in and, and learn things you know quickly but we feel that he'll he'll be a pretty quick study what are his, his intangibles i guess as a forward that you like most you said he's all-rounded but where do you see when you yeah. watched his games either harvard or, or junior where do you mm-hmm. see him really excelling at we love what he does without the ball we, we focused a lot on that both uh in terms of in the offensive zone when the ball's on the turf transition back to defense uh, we like that about him. We the intangibles of you know really strong work ethic. Obviously, again, I said really smart player. You know his fitness from what we've seen, really good. A real team oriented player too. Like he just seemed to be in all our work background work we did. I'm really willing to do anything to be successful for the team, and uh, we, we really like that about him. How much does it weigh into your decision that he went to a school like Harvard, one of the best in the world, versus going to Western Academy Broadcast College or, you know, some school where anyone with a pencil can get into? Uh, you know what? Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously nice to have a kid with that kind of pedigree. But, I mean, you have to have talent, too. So, you know, and quite often there's no substitute for it. And we really think he's, he's a super talented kid. 
yeah, came from a great program, both academically and athletically, but we just think he's a really talented kid, first and foremost. So moving down to the second round, you had to wait for what felt like an hour or two hours before you got to the 40th pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac Andrews there from Langley. Obviously, I've got to dial in watching him playing in the Man Cup right now, but tell me what you and your scouts and coaching staff saw in him and just what the conversation was before, you know, when you talk about, hey, is this a guy who can step into our lineup right Ways or walk me through those discussions. Yeah, we were lucky to get him at 40. We thought he would have gone sooner, but you know, teams get into different needs and different scenarios, and, and we feel lucky to get him. We do think he can actually come in and play. You know, that remains to be seen, of course, once he comes to camp. What we saw in him mostly is what we like to see in, in all of our backdoor guys, our D tranny guys, is that he's long, he's athletic, he's fast, he's got really good stick skills. Probably needs to get a little stronger, um, but he's young. You know, he's just a 21-year-old. And uh, all those things that we like in, in, in a D guy. That um, and, and he seems to be really responsible in the defensive end. He's not a, a guy to leave early or anything like that. He, uh, um, you know, pretty responsible guy. And he's playing up a pretty high level right now in a man cup, and he's played well. He looks like a pain in the ass to play against. Like, he's got a little bite to his game. I like that. Do you talk to any forwards? Like, are, are you talking with Mark Matthews and being like, what's this guy like to play against? Because he's defending some of the best offensive guys in the NFL. Right now, yeah, we have for sure, and you know, we talked to Robert a lot about him as well because Robert's playing with him this in the Man Cup and in the, in the playoffs. So obviously, he liked him a lot, his athleticism, and uh, you know, real quiet kid, uh, just goes about his business. And you know, he he's we like how he pressures the ball. He likes to get out and create a little bit of havoc, and that suits our system well. So walk me through what does the the back gate for lefties look at like right now? Um, we we sniffed around a little bit on the free agent side of things you know for a lefty d guy but we didn't you know get anything done and you know we we certainly we were looking that way in the draft regardless so now it could be that there's an opportunity for one of those guys to step in and play so yeah i mean we like i said we 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 made some efforts there but we didn't get anything done and and we're okay with with the young guys like you know it's very reminiscent of 10 years ago to be honest when you look what we're doing with our back end with Bobby Kidd with Garland with McClellan with Boudreaux with Barnable and now these young guys you know it's reminiscent of you know 10 11 years ago with Corbeil and Rubish and Cornwall and Thompson and Dilks those guys you know that we really you know that's how we built the defense with young guys that were you know in the early to mid 20s and you know we've got we got a we got a couple of those guys left still but uh, we like the young group we have. Well, I'll just scratch out my last question then asking about if this feels like a decade ago, but let's go to the third round as well. 49th overall, Cam Badur. Tell me what you like about his game. Well, we certainly like 6'4", 210. Um, left shot, you know, he projects as an, as an old guy, but we think there's some versatility in his game too because he's really athletic. He uh, unfortunately didn't play a lot of junior. He was a Whitby junior draft pick, so my Eastern scout, Greg O'Connor, knows him really well. Um, he got hurt at their training camp, uh, I think back in like 2019, and he, he didn't play a lot of junior after that because of injury, and Duke kind of didn't really want him playing. So, um, but uh, we, you know what? We think he's a guy that he could play another role if we wanted him to because he's such a good athlete. But, you know, big body, uh, good skills, and he's going to come to camp and try and battle for a job. Does it play into your decision that he has played midfield in, you know, the field game? I know it's so different, it's completely different. 
different, but he has played somewhat of a defensive role there at least. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, like in our conversations with him, he's, he's open to whatever, whatever's going to give him a chance to play. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try him, you know, we got four weekends of training camp this year, so we'll try him in, in, a, in a couple of different roles and see how he looks. And then in the fourth round, 64th overall, you get Jeremy Searle. His game kind of reminds me of, you know, a left-handed version of Austin Madronic, maybe a little bit less skilled as well, but just kind of a veteran who's not afraid to, you know, play off ball and open up some space. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I watched him play five playoff games this summer for Orangeville. And honestly, like, you know, I said the same thing about NG, but there's just no way he should have been there at 64. Like we were kind of going, all right, is there something wrong here? But we don't think there is, you know, we, uh, really, we think we got a real steal there. Like he's, he's a guy that has the ability to play offense. We don't project him there though. We project him as a D guy who can really run the floor. Well, he's a big body. Um, he's, he plays with a bit of edge. You know, um, just a guy, I mean, we, we really, really think we got something special there with a fairly late pick and, uh, um, he's going to get a real good opportunity. I mean, he played a lot of offense earlier in his career in Orangeville and, and, and did a bit of both this year. So, uh, we like it. We really like what we got there. Well, pretty much everything I saw of him this summer is he's not going to score you a fancy goal, but he'll sure as hell get to those dirty areas and he'll put the ball behind the net minder. So you got to like that. Uh, then you got two other kids that are going back to college, Gabe Prosick and Carter Brand. I mean, Prosick mm-hmm. in the fifth round, Brand in the sixth round. I, I mean, from that guy's stats, it's ridiculous. All he does is score. But I, I think there had to be a little bit more scouting when it comes to some of these later picks. Were you, were you happy with you know who you landed in rounds five and six? Yeah. I mean, and it fits that they're going back to school. That's fine with us. Prosick, we really, you know, like is a versatile guy too. Uh, right shot, he's, you know, he plays mostly on the offensive end, attack and, and field. But this summer um, in the WLA played uh, multiple roles, including, you know, out the back door, ran transition, played some O, played some D. So, some, some versatility there. And then Brand's a guy that, you know, we think that eventually can score at that level. So, um, you know, not a lot of experience yet for Brand, you know, at higher levels. You know, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. But we, we just, you know, when you get down to the sixth round, you're looking for some skill. You know, lefty's pretty good for us, I think, down the road. So that's the way, where we went there. And when you look at the draft as a whole this year, uh, are you thinking that this is one of your stronger drafts? Like you've seen, you know, a lot of these halls over the past decade, you've seen this team be rebuilt from scratch in Edmonton, 2010 to 2013. Uh, are you thinking this is one of the draft classes that is going to come up and produce three or four NLLers potentially? Well, you certainly hope so. I mean, I mean, if you look at last year, you know, we got two really good ones at seven and eight. You know, um, the year before that, you know, we got Bobby Kidd and Connor McClellan. So we think we've done really well there. You know, like on average, probably 20 to 30 percent of your guys you draft make your roster at, at some point. This year could be a little higher. You know, obviously you have to fill a practice roster. Like right now, we've only got 24 runners and I think four goalies on our roster. So, you know, we, we, we've got spots, but not a ton. But, you know, we have no question about Madronic. We have no question about Enju and Cyril as well. 
And then we'll see what the other guy says as we go forward here. How much does it help that you are turning over? I guess maybe help isn't the right word, but it's going to help some of these younger guys coming up that you are turning over a fair amount of your practice roster. And what do you expect those spots in competition to look like come November? Well, we always try to get guys that we think can come in and play. Um, you, you do have to, at some points, use your practice roster. And, um, you know, so we, we, we want to have guys there that we feel confident can step in and play if needed. And, you know, with the way the world is now with, with the pandemic and, and that, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen with, with that. So you have to have guys that can play. And, uh, we were pretty lucky with it last year. We didn't have to delve into it too much, but certainly when, and if you do, you want to have guys you feel confident can come in and play a role. And I got to ask this, because if I don't, I know I'm going to get blown up on social media, Derek. Where are we at with some of these RFAs right now? We qualified those guys. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have them signed. I mean, we've only got about our rookies and a couple other guys that we haven't signed yet. So I'm not overly concerned about it. But we'll get that done. So goaltending tandem is going to look similar to last year then? Um, I wouldn't say that for sure. Um, you know, I, there could be some changes there. That's all I can say on that. All righty, Derek. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy your trip. I know it's going to be a busy one for you, but I can't wait to get back into the rink here come November. All right. Okay. Thanks, Cody. Oh, we got some interesting bits in that one. Derek, bringing the heat, talking about some of the picks and, well, how the roster could shake up this upcoming season. Now let's throw it down to your first rounder. Austin Madronik is on the Rush Hour podcast. Rush Hour Podcast, Cody Jansen. Join now. First round pick, sixth overall for the Saskatchewan Rush. Austin Madronic joins me on the podcast. Austin, where are you joining me from right now, and what have you been up to this summer? Uh, I'm joining you from New York City. Um, I moved here after graduating from Harvard in the spring, and I'm currently working in the city, and um, yeah. Well, everyone calls Saskatoon the New York City of Canada, so it looks like it'll be a smooth transition for you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Have you ever been to Sask? I have not. I may have driven through it um, at some point, but I've never uh, spent time there. Oh, well, you're in for a treat, especially when it comes to lacrosse side of things. But I want to walk it back, Austin. We'll get into the draft and all this stuff a little bit later on. Tell me, how, how do you first pick up a stick? Where does it happen? I, I know both your parents are in the military, so you're moving around a lot. But walk me through the first time Austin picks up a lacrosse stick, and how does it happen? Yeah, absolutely. So I was four years old, and we had just moved out to Victoria. Um, so I was born in Halifax. Um, me and my parents moved up to Victoria and my dad being from St. Catharines, um, he never actually played lacrosse. He was a hockey player, but, um, took me, my mom to a Victoria Shamrocks game. And there, I think there probably was like a line brawl or like four or five fights in the game back then. He was like, just so pumped and made sure that I signed up the next day. And so, yeah, that's basically how it started. Signed up for lacrosse. Um, and then just so many memories when I was young, just going to the outdoor rink by my house and playing with my dad and that type of thing. So, so what you're telling me is your dad wanted you to be the toughest player in the WLA and you end up being a school <laughs> scorer who's going to Harvard. Pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So were, were you ripping up minor lacrosse or what? Like, obviously you knew you were pretty damn good, but tell me, 
be real here. Are you tearing it up in like Bantam and Midget? Uh, so it was interesting. Um, right around Bantam, actually, we moved out east um, to Montreal. And, um, you know, Montreal is not necessarily the hotbed of lacrosse in Canada. Um, but I actually played um, for the Ganawagi Mohawks, um, which plays in, on, in the Ontario League, but it's just outside Montreal. And so that's pretty small town. Um, and when I was 14, um, junior B team needed some guys to come up. And so I actually started playing junior B, um, when I was in midget and, um, never actually finished playing midget. I just ended up being full time on the junior B team. So yeah, I was 14 playing with, um, now some of the guys that are in the league, I remember, one game we played six nations and I was actually playing defense back then and was playing defense against Zed Williams. So it was pretty cool. So you're 14 in the jungle getting your first experience. Yeah. Yeah. I Oof. can't, I can't lie. I definitely think you probably got the better of the matchup on that one, but well, I don't think anyone's going to fault you for that either, but walk me through, yeah. how do you end up out West to play junior A? Are you just wanting to be like, Hey, I want to go back to Vic. Is there some sort of trade you have to finagle to get over there or what? Um, so I actually knew leading up to the season that my parents were moving back there. Um, and at the time I was still in high school and, um, I was at Colvin military Academy down in Indiana. And yeah, my parents got posted back out, out West and, um, knew that I was just going to come home and play for the Shamrocks and some that I had been looking forward to, to doing for a while. And, uh, I definitely missed the West coast for a while. So I was happy. A little better than Quebec. I'll say it since you won't. What what was it like though <laughs> playing for the Chamois out there, juniors? You guys had some great teams, included a, a nice Minto run there in 2019 as well. Yeah, it was awesome. We uh, so my first year there in 2018, we had a ton of talent on the team, um, and to be honest, we just ran into Christian Del Bianco and goal, and we couldn't really score on them, and so they won that one. Um, and that year I was actually playing more transition. So I was playing more defense and staying up on offense a little bit, but um, was playing transition that year. And then 2019, we were a lot younger of a team. Um, it was technically my second last year of junior, um, but COVID ended up canceling the last year. So my last year we were super young, um, but very talented. And we had some really, really tough battles against, you know, um, New Westminster in the playoffs to get to the Minto. I think that one went to seven games and just a grind playing through a long season. Everyone's banged up. and But to finally get the Shamrocks back to the Minto was super rewarding. And even though it didn't go our way, it was probably one of my best uh, box experiences so far. Now, I know he's going to be listening, so I got to ask, what was it like playing with Dunker between the pipes? Oh, it was great. Uh, I mean... We always had these competitions after practice where we would stay out on the floor um, and just I would just shoot on him over and over and over again. Um, and then eventually when he started getting tired or uh, he started letting too many in, he would, he would call it, but I would never let him call it. It would always be, all right, five more shots and we'll make a little competition out of it. Um, so, yeah, we, we did that pretty much after every practice. So it was fun. 
just a little juice boy after practice or did you guys not call it yeah. that out west no 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 i i haven't heard of that okay okay that was always the thing back in juniors you know goalie forward juice boy then when you're headed home after practice losers gotta buy gatorade <laughs> so maybe that was a little bit before your time i'm not gonna age myself or anything yeah, here maybe. What, when did you kind of realize the NLL was going to be an option? Like, obviously, you're going to Culver. You know you, you wanted to play NCAA. But when did you start to realize, like, hey, maybe the NLL is going to be an option for me to play professionally? Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if I can point to a single moment. It, I know for sure that it's always been something that I've wanted to do ever since, like, like watching guys like Dan Dawson and the other pros that played on the Shamrocks and that they played against and stuff like those are guys that I idolized. And it's funny, like I grew up playing hockey and lacrosse and a ton of other sports, but everyone always asks like, Oh, what do you want to be when you're, when you're older and stuff? And everyone from Victoria is always like, yeah, I want to be a pro hockey player. And I was always, I want to be a pro lacrosse player. And yeah, I mean, I made the choice to give up hockey and, over lacrosse and just kind of pursue lacrosse and so it was something that I always wanted to work towards but then you know with the way that you know is I'd say 99% of the guys we need two jobs and so the actual kind of logistics of playing in the league um, that was a little bit up in the air um, but something that I prioritized um, finding a job that would be flexible enough to let me play because you know playing in the NLL is definitely a priority for me um, something that I've been looking forward to doing. So um, as much as I've worked like to be able to play in the NLL, it was also kind of a difficult process just trying to find a job to live a good lifestyle and be able to uh, like logistically do it. So we've mentioned Harvard a couple of times, but I got to ask, like, how do you get down there? What are your grades like, Austin? Tell me, don't sugarcoat anything. You're talking to a guy who <laughs> dropped at a Western Academy broadcast college. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my grades in... Uh, my grades in high school are pretty good. What's pretty and good? 4.0? Mostly A's and B's. Um, yeah, mostly A's and the rest B's probably. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I think my GPA was like a 3.7-ish in high school. But, you know, with like college admit- admissions and stuff, you need to take the standardized test. And that was actually kind of a grind for me. I'm not a great test taker. And so I ended up taking the ACT, I think, 11 times. Um, just had to keep working at it to get my scores high enough, but ended up getting there, which is a huge relief. 11 times you took the ACT? Does that take like four hours to take? Something like that. Uh, yeah, like three, three and some change. Oh my goodness. Nope. No, I I did my SAT once. I don't even know what I got on it anymore, but I did. I can guarantee you it wasn't anything to write home about. Hey, you guys had some good crowds, though, playing down Ivy League lacrosse, Harvard. You guys, at least this past year, you know, you were starting to get some good crowds. How excited are you to play in Saskatchewan? Like, you've got to talk to some of these guys who have played in front of Rush Nation because it's something else. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. I think that in previous years at Harvard, we didn't have amazing crowds. We had, like, pretty good crowds. But then this year... Um, especially our game against Princeton. It was our alumni night and just a huge packed crowd. And they were ranked, uh, I want to say, three in the country. Um, we were good. It was a, definitely a winnable game for us. We knew that coming in. Um, but we just fed off the energy of the crowd. And that's something that like, I definitely fed off of in the fourth. Uh, I think I scored two back-to-back in the fourth quarter um, to go up two against them. So, yeah, feeding off the crowd is something that's definitely important and um, something that I'm, really looking forward to 
um, Saskatchewan. Goal score, not a big deal. Hey, I got to ask one big journalist <laughs> question though. What what makes you this instant fit in Saskatchewan here? Because obviously, you know, everyone knows. Derek's talked about it. There's a need for another righty up front right now. You know, maybe someone who can play a little yep. bit in transition as well. Talk to me about your game and and why it makes you someone who can hop into the lineup. But you know, in your rookie season. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that I've heard just from talking to coaches and just one of the like highlights about the team is how unselfish everyone is on offense. It's something that really sticks out to me. Like that's how I play. There's definitely times where I almost should be more selfish and passive opportunities because I see something that might be a little bit better. But that's just something that I really fit into. I think that you know running a motion offense and the system that. Saskatchewan runs is super well suited to my game and personally I'm not someone that necessarily needs the ball in their stick all the time to make efficient plays and score goals I work best off ball honestly creating room for others draw attention to myself they're open type of thing but then also I kind of I have the confidence to you know finish my opportunities at a high rate and something that you know if I have five six chances a game that's enough for me to score a few times so that's uh usually good for the people around me which is something that i look forward to helping the team with austin this has been a blast man hey i appreciate you taking the time can't wait to see you around the rink in november yeah absolutely i appreciate you having me on huge thanks to austin and Derek for hopping on the pond this week if you enjoy it please be sure to subscribe like leave us a five-star rating fire it around social media a bit let's get the word out here we're pumping it up lacrosse season we are almost back i'm telling you november that's when camp starts i'm looking forward to it everyone knows regular season in december can't wait to see everyone back inside the Sastel Center. It's going to be phenomenal. Alrighty, that's been another edition of the Rush Hour podcast presented by Original 16. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at Janner on PXP. Until next time, everyone be kind, be better.